You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. You know, last week I shared a story about how I had this, this plan. I was working on this, this series and this message, um, and then last Friday... Uh, God just totally just lifted the anointing off of that message and just said, that's not the right message for you to speak. And so I said, yes, sir. But it wasn't until Saturday that I got some insight on what do you want me to say, uh, uh, you know, in less than 12, 12 hours from now. What do you want me to say? And, uh, and so God, God put something on my heart specifically based on a conversation I had just a few weeks ago. And a similar thing, not the exact same thing, but this, this I've been preparing and God has been prompting me to do a certain series on a topic that is vital and so important for us. And this past week as I was preparing, it was another moment where I, honestly I came to God this time and I said, God, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm ready to give this, this message yet for this series. And, and God then led me to a different passage where I want to pick up where we left off last week. And here's what I'll say. Um, I'm going to say this, but again, as I always say, our plan's always plan B, okay? But next week, the plan is, my plan is to um, we're going to start a teaching series about covenant, covenant. And in studying this, what's amazing is it's very, very difficult to find recent teaching on covenant and what it means for you and me today. There's a lot of, a little bit here, a little bit there, but it's tough to find teaching. We have to go back decades, if I'm being honest, to find some real God's Word teaching, practical teaching that we can use. And so in, even in my studies, I've been going through commentary and different things. God has just been revealing to me the importance of realizing the covenant that we are in with God, that it is a relationship, yes, but it is a covenant relationship. And the things that come with it and the things that we have access to are incredible. And if we would grasp it, the church would look drastically different than it does right now in America. Our nation would look drastically different if the church would grasp this. And so I would just encourage you, be here <laughs> next week. Like I said, I'm planning on next week. I'm going to start it, and it's going to be something where um, I promise you, I don't use this very often, but it will, it will be life-changing if, if you will receive it because it's been for me. I will tell you this. Just this past week, it, is, it has opened my eyes to so, so many things. Um, it's going to be amazing. Do not miss it. Do not miss it. Today, though, we're talking about, we're continuing talking about the light of the world. Last week, we talked about practically how do we be the light of the world? What are some things that we biblically should be doing, guarding our tongue, walking in obedience? We're talking about certain, a few of these things. How do we be the light of the world? But God, God in, in this past week, prompted me to take a little bit step further and ask this question, is my light real? Is my light genuine? Because uh, to share an example of this, I, I um, for a season of my life, for a little over a year, I worked at Chick-fil-A. I was one of their, their directors who oversaw some of the managers and the team members there, and it was uh, a crazy experience. I love Chick-fil-A. Um, it, was, it was an honor, actually, to work there and to be a part of it. But at Chick-fil-A, what's amazing is how many counterfeit $20 bills that would come through our restaurant people coming through. And what's amazing is the person that was giving us, most of the time that was giving us the counterfeit, had no idea that it was counterfeit. Or a 50 or a 100. They had no idea. And, and they could not even tell you where I got this from. 
And, and they were for real. A, a lot of people, they were just so like, you know, we, we have a little test that we can run it through or scan it or put a little mark on it and we can tell them, hey, this is not legit. And the look on people's face when you tell them, hey, this $20 bill that you thought you had it really is worth nothing. Uh, in fact, it's very illegal for you to have this. And so for them to look back and be like, what? Like, you're kidding me. It was so close, though, to, to being real that it even fooled the person that was using it. I think many times this is what can happen with us, with church, and with our light. Because if we listen to last week's message, I can go through and I can do the right things. I can post the right things. I can pray the right prayer. I can get involved at church. But if I don't take a step further and really examine the condition of my heart, it's all for nothing. It's all for nothing. As James would say, it's useless or it's worthless, right? We looked at those verses last week. Look, if I don't examine, is my light real behind the scenes? Not just in front of everybody or at church on Sunday. Yay, how was your week? Is it real? That's the question for today. And what I want to look at, I want to look at one passage of Scripture. I don't often do just one passage, but here's the passage. If you want to turn your Bible, 1 John chapter 2. And I would encourage you, if you want um, to continue reading, just read through 1 John. It's super short. Read through 1 John this week. It's a very challenging book. But in 1 John chapter 2, what he does is he shows us, he almost gives us these tests to see how well do we know our Heavenly Father, how close, how intimate am I with Him. And what I want to do today is I want to apply those tests to our light. The tests, these are three tests that we can, I can run through and see, is my light genuine or not? And here's what John says. The first one is this. Test number one is my obedience to God. We talked about this last week, but honestly, the way, he, the way John approaches it is a little bit different. My obedience to God. In fact, let's look at a, a, a few scriptures here. First John 2, 3 through 6. We looked at this verse or these verses last week, but let's read it again. It says this, and we can be sure that we know him, we know God, if we obey his commandments. If someone claims I know God, but he doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. Come on, John. He's going, he's coming after us today, somebody. Here we go. Verse 5. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. In the New King James, it says, those who abide in him should walk just as Jesus walked. And that's what we're here for, right? Abide church. If we say we abide in him, we should walk as he walked in obedience. We talked a little bit about this last week, but I want to revisit this because I think this is what we've seen creep into um, Christianity in America and many times in, even into our churches if we're not careful, is the, the fact of that, well, we want, to be, we want to be culturally acceptable or relatable might be a better way to say it, culturally relevant or, or relatable so that when God opens a door of opportunity, to, to lead someone to Christ, I'm relatable and I can relate with them to lead them to Jesus. And if I'm being honest, I would say this, that that's honestly one of the greatest tricks of the devil. It's a great trick of the devil to say, well, I want to be culturally, I, I don't want to be like the weird extreme, you know, Jesus guy. I want to be relatable to my lost friends so that they will come to me when they have issues. But the devil likes to use that because I would say this, um, tr many times trying to be culturally relevant is a cop-out so that we don't have to live righteously. 
Can we be real? Guilty. Been there. Many times. Not all the time. Many times, though. Trying to be culturally relevant is a cop-out, so I don't have to live righteously. But what did God say? Be holy, live holy, as I am holy. Walk just as Jesus walked, right? What does it say? Those who say they live in God or abide in him should live their lives as Jesus did. If I'm not careful, I can be, uh, become okay with even the, the, the small disobediences in my life. And that's what's dangerous. I, ha- I want to live that extreme. I don't want to have to cut that out I, because I want to be relatable to other people. And it is dangerous ground that we walk on when we try to make ourselves look like society rather than trying to make ourselves look like the Word of God. It's dangerous ground to walk on. But it can be easy. It can be easy to do, especially in America. We, ha- we are comfortable in America. We are, we are spoiled, if we could say it that way, in America. It can be easy to become casual Christians. But as we know, if you've read the end of the book, hopefully you have in Revelation, Jesus speaks pretty harshly about casual Christianity, about being lukewarm. Not hot, not cold, not all the way in, not all the way out. But I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I'm kind of, a, the, you know, I go to church. I'm a Christian. Casual Christianity, Jesus says it makes him nauseous. Like, it says he will vomit you out of his mouth, okay? For, that's what it says. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't want to make Jesus nauseous with the way I live my life, right? Hot or cold? Am I walking in obedience, really? And here's where, here's where it gets tricky as well, because many people will say, well, you can't tell me that God doesn't love me you know, because I'm doing these things, right? You can't tell me God doesn't love me because I'm, uh, you know, I'm going out and, and getting drunk every once in a while or I'm sleeping around before I get married or you can't tell me that, you know, God doesn't love me just because I gossip every now and then. What's the big deal, you know? And you're right. I wouldn't say that. And I think we need to remember that. God still loves you. God still loves you, still loves me at our worst. At our worst, But John brings in a different aspect, and so did Jesus, if we read his words. He said this exact same thing. My actions prove how much do I love him in return. And that's the difference. I would never say, God doesn't love you. But can I look, and can God look at your actions, and do they abundantly reveal that you love him in return? This is what John is saying. He said, this is how we know. Those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. Do I love him completely? Or do I love him partially? Comfortably? In America and in, in, in the world today, right? It's, it's, everything is make it your way. Uh, it, you do you. If you want to do that, if you don't want to do that, whatever. You get to pick and choose and be custom. You can customize anything and everything. But if we're not careful, that will bleed into Christianity. Like, yeah, I want the blessings. So we talked about a little bit earlier. I want the, the financial blessing, but I'm not willing to be generous. Then why do I want the blessing? God's word says those go hand in hand. Like I want, I want, I want God's peace and like I want his peace in my life, but I'm not willing to give up the stuff that I'm feeding my spirit 
these TV shows, this kind of music, this, this stuff that I'm, I'm feeding on that's not necessarily bad or sinful, but it's not helpful. We can't customize Christianity, especially today, because Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back sooner than we think. He's, he's coming back. Our, our job is what? To live, love, and look like Jesus. Jesus never had to conform to sinners to make sinners like him more. What did he really do? He actually lived so far above reproach and so far above, uh, above even the religious standard that even the worst sinner came running to him in a time of need. Uh, going back to my time in Chick-fil-A, I wasn't going to share this today, but God put on my heart for somebody. My time in Chick-fil-A, I might have shared this before, but there were times when I went in, and uh, I don't know if you know this, but not everyone that works at Chick-fil-A is a Christian, okay? I hate to burst your bubble. There's not, okay? There's a lot of stuff going on uh, in the people. They're people. So um, as I went in there, though, I had two options. I'm going in. I'm the new guy. I want people to like me, and so either I can kind of conform to culture Hey, what you know, what do they like? What are they talking about? The jokes they're saying, the things that they're watching outside of work, the music that they're listening to in the kitchen, all this stuff. Like I can just conform to the culture that's already established or I can come in and I can do what I say I believe and walk above reproach and live as a true light in a dark place. I can be the source of light rather than just coming in and blending in. And can I tell you, not to brag on myself, but God opened my eyes to this. I never, I never got in on the conversations that I knew were, were not good. I never got into to, to going to certain places that I got invited to time and time again after work. Hey, just come hang out with us. I didn't do that stuff. But did it drive those people that were far from Jesus away? No. Can I tell you? There were two guys in, in particular, Tanner and Bradley. Both of those guys. When, when life truly got difficult for them. What did they do when they came to work? Hey, Dan, can I talk to you for a second? Hey, can, I, can we talk in the office, just alone, me and you? What did they do? They came to the light. Jesus said, we are the light. You are the light. But if I was just like them all the other time, why would they need to come to me? I've ceased being the light. I'm just like them. A great trick of the devil is what? Be culturally relevant. Be culturally acceptable so you can reach people. No, I've killed my testimony. My testimony is purity. If I say I abide, I walk as Jesus walked. Does it mean I'm perfect? No, but it means if I mess up, I get back up and I run to the Father. I get back in alignment with his will and I start walking it out. I live it out in obedience to him and into his word, above reproach, in purity. That's the light. But am I actually doing it? Is it real in my life, in your life? That's the question today. I can say I obey God, but am I actually obeying him? My obedience to God, walking like Jesus walked, it reveals how genuinely I love God in return, but it reveals how genuine my light is, truly. The second test that John gives us is this. He says, uh, the second test is my love. <laughs> How much do you love others? My love for others. This one got me a little bit today, or this past week, rather, as I was preparing this. My love for others. 
Look at this. In 1 John 2, 9 through 11, it says this. Let me, uh, I'll read it from up here. If anyone claims, I am living in the light, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. Whoa, there's a lot in those three verses right there. There's a lot in there. But let's look at a few, a few things he says. The first thing he shows us is this, that love is a characteristic of light. Love is a characteristic of light. Hate is a characteristic of darkness. And here's what he reveals in these three verses. Love is light. Hate is darkness. Therefore, according to God's word in 1 John 2, we reveal the genuineness of our relationship with God by our relationship with others, by my love for others. I reveal how genuine my light is, how genuine my relationship with God is based upon my love for other people and my relationship with others. How can I say I'm walking as Jesus walked, as light, if I hate a fellow believer? Yes, but if I have hate for others. Man, First John, he'll get after you, right? This John, I mean, he's, this is tough, but we need to talk about this as a church. When we talk about these kind of topics, this is purifying. This is freeing. And this is what Jesus is looking for when he returns someday. He's looking, hey, have you purified the bride? Is the bride ready for the bridegroom? And we have to talk about some of this stuff, and we have to apply some of this stuff. If I still have hate in my life for other people, the truth is I have some growing up to do spiritually. If there's people that have, and this is tough, if we're being real. When people have wronged me, hurt me, hurt my family, my flesh wants to hate. But hate is darkness. Jesus says, I got to forgive and I need to love doesn't mean I have to allow someone to steamroll over me. That's not what we're saying. Jesus didn't do that. But I'm just saying, when someone has wronged me, and I let it affect me moving forward, this may seem harsh, but I've allowed them to be the Lord of my life. Because I'm allowing them to control my motive, my attitude, my expectation for the day. Rather than if Jesus is the Lord of my life, I may have been wronged. And it may be awful, and they may deserve to be hated. They may have deserve, even according to Scripture, like they may deserve to be put to death, like that extreme, however wrong it was. They may deserve the worst. But if I allow them to control that much of me, who's my focus really on? We can't be offended when we live in Christ. You can hurt me and you can harm me. And there may be a season where I let it, I'm, I'm kind of working that out inside, but I can't live offended if I'm truly living in Christ. My focus is on him. If I let someone offend me, I put my identity in their hands. I refuse to do that. That's not spiritual maturity. We can't, we can't do that. In verse 10, he takes us, you guys doing okay? <laughs> it's a little quiet today. You guys doing good? Um, I told you, it, it got after me this week. Here we go, verse 10. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light, and here's, here it is again, and does not cause others to stumble. 
Why is it important? Not just to live above reproach for the lost because they know where the light is. That's the first point, right? Test number one. But test number two, my love for others. If I love a fellow believer, if I love someone who's maybe not as far along as me in my walk with Christ or in their walk with Christ, do I love them enough to walk in purity? That's what we're saying. Is there anything in my life that would cause them to stumble because they're following me as I follow Jesus? Because for a season, as we're growing spiritually, that has to happen. It's okay to hitch, hitch my wagon to somebody that's following Jesus and say, will you show me? That's discipleship. Will you show me? Eventually, I can walk on my own, but I need a little help to get started. As they're walking behind me as I follow Jesus, have I done anything or am I doing anything that would cause them to stumble? Why? I heard a pastor say this this past week, and I love this. He was saying this in, in refer, uh, referring to alcohol, but he said, what leaders do in moderation, followers do in excess. <laughs> that punched me in the face this past week. What leaders do in moderation, followers do in excess. Now, if you have kids, you know that to be true. We're not just talking about sin or, or casual drink. I'm not talking about that, though it applies to that. I'm talking about if I call myself a leader and if people are following me as I follow Jesus, what I do in moderation, that may not be sin for me, but if it causes another to stumble, it is sin for me. If you have kids, you know this, right? To be transparent, there's been times I've said words I shouldn't have said, Okay. I'm real. <laughs> I've said some things I shouldn't have said in front, of my, in front of my son. I've let stuff come out of my mouth. And what happens? A few days, a few weeks, maybe a few months later, Gavin says something. Luckily, he's, he it was still early on where he didn't know what he was saying and didn't, couldn't pronounce it just right, but it's like, hold up, what did he say? <laughs> where did he hear that? Oh, yeah, from me. Imagine an organization, wherever you work, whether it's a job site, an office space, anything. Imagine when the leader comes in, if they come in one time, just once, and they start bad-mouthing another employee or another leader in the company or maybe another company, they're bad-mouthing them, and then they leave. It's one time they do it. What happens to the other people in the group that were following them? It just created a cancerous disease in the organization because now they realize it's okay to bad-mouth other people and to put others down, and to talk behind other people's backs. And you said it once in a moment of, of a fleshly outburst. But what leaders do in moderation, followers do in excess. And this is what God's Word is saying. Am I living above reproach? If I'm living in the light, I don't cause other people to stumble. But i got to grow up. I can stay a baby Christian my whole life and just keep living in sin or doing whatever I want because no one's following me. But even Paul says, look, just read the New Testament. How many times does he say, why are you still spiritual babies? You, he says, you should be teaching others by now. How is it that I have to teach you again the basics? God's design is never for us to stay here dealing in worldliness and in sin and just, ah, it's okay, no one's following me. No, God's desire is graduate, grow up, and make disciples. You, you don't have to be a pastor to do that. Jesus said, you go. You make disciples. You go and make disciples. My love for other people is a test that shows how genuine my light is. Do I love others enough to walk in purity? Test number three is this, and I'll wrap up with this. My appetite for worldliness. You guys doing all right? 
It's just God's word today. I just got a few verses for you. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. He says, Do not love this world nor anything, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers you only a, a craving for physical, physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our, our own achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but they are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. What a promise from God. A good warning, a good test, a good challenge, but a promise. Anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Am I living a life of faith? Because sometimes faith means I have to sacrifice stuff in my life that I enjoy, but it's worldly. And by sacrificing it in faith, I can please God and I can walk how he's asked me and commanded me to walk. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you have the love of the world, you don't have the love of the Father in you. Here's the, here's the thing. An appetite can be developed over time, but it can also be lost in a moment. Whenever me and Leslie were, were <laughs> dating, I had never had, this may sound crazy, okay, but we're from North Iowa. I had never, I don't think I've ever had salsa, like chips and salsa before I started dating Leslie, okay? That sounds crazy. Like, what? We didn't go to Mexican restaurants and Mexican food. Like, we just didn't do it, right? And so I was just like, no thanks. I'm not a huge vegetable guy anyway, so I don't want that red stuff, okay? Get out of here. Get out of here. Disgusting. Give me the bowl of hot cheese, right? I'll take that every day. But anyway, Leslie introduced me to it, right? Just last night, we're having some, some burritos at the house. And I say, hey, do we have any salsa? What? Yeah, do we have any salsa? I didn't know you would want this. Yeah, sure. I got some chips. Put some chips and salsa by this thing. Come on now. What happened? An appetite can be developed over time. But the, also, the opposite is, is true. The, an appetite can be lost in a moment. Years ago, I used to love Whataburger, okay? Some of you know this story. Uh, <laughs> I loved it, okay? If I was craving it, if I was ever just out, just, man, come on, good burger. Give me a big old drink. Come on, somebody. And one time, they did me wrong, okay? They, uh, they gave me food poisoning, and it was awful. It was the worst sick I think I've ever been, probably. It was bad. No details today, but it was bad. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> but my appetite for Whataburger was lost in an instant. Never again have I been back. Have I been tempted to go back? I've been driving by. I might be able to do it now. But then immediately, the more I think about it, nah, I can't. I'm not going there. There's no way. I ain't doing that. That's salvation for us. I have created an appetite for worldliness because we live in a fallen world. And there's a, a little g, God of this world, the enemy, the devil, Satan, who makes our world darkness. And over time, I've created an appetite for it because I'm walking in sin. It's a lost world. And until I find Jesus, I have the appetite 
but Jesus wants to purge that appetite from you through the power of his Holy Spirit. He wants to crush it. Does it mean I'll never be tempted again to go back? I'll be tempted, but I need to, I need to believe and trust the power. This is what we're going to talk about in this next series of the covenant. There's power in that covenant that we have in the new covenant that allows us to walk as he's commanded us to, to walk as Jesus walked. There's power in it to uphold righteous living. In the old covenant, there was not. That's why it led to death. But in the new covenant, it comes with power. I can now live free from sin and from addiction. Will I be tempted? May I stumble? Yes, but, but that's not my identity. It's not my identity. I need to crush an appetite for worldliness in my life. He says, if you love worldliness, you do not have the love of the Father in you. I don't have it in me. Why? God is holy. He is a holy, he is a pure God. And as carriers of the kingdom, of him, as heirs to the kingdom, he says, be holy as I am holy. How can I love worldliness if I say I'm a, an heir to the kingdom of God, which I am, according to God's word? They don't go hand in hand. I've got to crush worldliness. If I'm tolerating sin, lust, any type of worldliness in my life, I need to draw close to God again. He's not mad at you, but he's got better things for you. When I come into his presence, all unrighteousness has to flee. So the question is, how is my appetite? Really, what do I crave throughout my day? Because if we're not careful, we create we create idols. The world wants to give us idols to worship. And it's not always some golden calf somewhere. But there's these little idols in people, in celebrities, in TV shows, in technology, in our phones. There's these little idols that the world will push on you and say, this, you need this. You have to have this in your life. You need to be doing this. You have to be up to date on this. You have to have it. And anything any object, any pursuit in my life that is not guided by God's word and his will for me is an idol. It's getting me off track. Any pursuit that's not guided by God's word is an idol. But idols aren't always obviously sinful. Sometimes they're just worldly. I've allowed it to cling to me and to just distract me a little. But over time, I begin to love it and crave it, and pursue it. Is there anything that has that kind of hold on me that's not from God? If so, I need, to, I need to cut that idol out of my life. The most dangerous, idol, most dangerous idols are worshiped in secret. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit right now. Is there something that maybe no one knows about. Is there something that I've allowed to become an idol in my life? It's worldly, and it's in secret. The question today is, how do I know if my light is real? I don't want counterfeit. I don't want the counterfeit 20 that's coming to Chick-fil-A that it's passed through a lot of people's hands, and it's so close to being real that no one knows. I don't want to be that kind of Christian. I think they're a Christian, but I don't really know. They're kind of like us. No, I want to be abundantly clear 
my light is real. That's the goal today. How do I know? My obedience, my love, and my appetite. Three easy tests that Pastor Dan came up with. No, First John chapter 2. Read it in its entirety today. I, I promise you. Just read through the book of First John this week. So here's the reflection questions that go right along with the tests. They have them on your card, but here's, I'm just reading real quick. Is there something the Holy Spirit's been convicting me about that I haven't dealt with yet? Because most likely there is. If I'm walking in him, if I'm abiding in him, he's been prompting me for a while. The issue is the longer we go without acknowledging the prompt to, to deal with it, I become callous to his voice. Maybe he's been prompting you. Maybe he prompted you a year ago, but you haven't dealt with it, and you just feel like, ah, oh, you've come, become comfortable. Not because it's okay, because you're calloused. Is there something he's been prompting me? I need to do obedience. Do I have any hint of hatred toward others in my heart? Even a hint. Man. <sighs> Are there worldly things in my life that I haven't given up yet? I'm just allowed to linger, and it's a pursuit. And it's not that it's abundantly sinful, but it could get there. It could get there. The action step is this. At the very end of 1 John, here's what he says, and he's talking about Jesus coming back. And here's the action step. He says, and now, little children, abide in him. That when he appears, when Jesus appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Jesus at his coming. Abide. How do I do that? That's every day. I am seeking him. I am in his word. I am eliminating distractions. I'm keeping my eyes fixed on him. Not for 10 minutes. I can't renew my mind every day for 10 minutes a day. Renewing my mind is a constant thing. I've got to be abiding constantly in him, keeping my eyes fixed on him. Abide in him so that when he returns, I may have confidence. I will not be ashamed for how I've lived my life. Because Jesus is the ultimate one who will come and call counterfeit and real. He is the final test. Whether he shows up this afternoon or in a thousand years from now, whenever he comes back, how have I lived my life when I see him for the first time? Will I be ashamed? Will I not have any confidence? Or will my light be real because I obeyed? I loved others. I didn't have an appetite for wilderness, and I lived, loved, and looked like Jesus because I abided in him. If I do that, I can see him face to face with joy and not with heartbreak because I missed it. We can't afford to be counterfeit Christians. We got to be the real deal. Is my light real? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We're thankful for you. Thank you that your, your grace is so much greater than anything we've ever done. Oh, Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. That when we were still sinners, you loved us. Thank you for your light. Thank you for the hope that you've given us. The light that consumes us. And God, I would pray that it would consume us. Let us not be fake, counterfeit, going through the motions. But if we have been, God, I just pray that today you would soften our heart, help us eliminate pride, and help us come home to you. Help us truly embrace you today and carry the real light moving, moving forward, walking away today. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.